Hello there, and welcome back to Beats by Transplant Social Work. I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany, your host for the show. We're so glad that you came back. And for those that are tuning in for the first time, check out episode one to learn more about who we are. But a brief summary, we're both certified clinical transplant social workers who specialize in all things heart transplant and LVAD, also known as left ventricular assist device. Our goal is to talk about all the things transplant and LVAD from the social work perspective and to bring the human element back into the world of transplant and LVAD for our fellow social workers and our patients. This podcast is intended for social workers that work in the field of transplant or VAD. If you are a patient pursuing a transplant or VAD or a caregiver of a patient, we welcome you here. Although we are transplant and VAD social workers, we are not your social workers. We hope topics discussed here may lead you to further discussions with your own social worker. This also applies to other transplant professionals who may stumble into our show. We do not take the place or attempt to override your transplant social work, but provide perspective and hope this allows for more open conversations and collaborations with your direct social worker. As you'll soon learn, we are both very passionate individuals, and although we may take the scenic route, we invite you along this journey with us. We are hopeful to make this a safe space to learn, be refueled, be heard, and feel understood. We want to challenge each other to be the best that we can be for ourselves and our patients, and we give you permission to challenge us. Hello, I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany. (laughs) Your host for the show. (laughs) And boy, is it going to be a fun one. Yep. (laughs) We're already a beer in and a dollar short, so buckle up and get ready. Dang it, and I'm stuck in here and I can't even get my beer. Ah, see, and I'm ahead of you. See, this is just, this is a shame. We have to start over. Dang shame. (laughs) All right, but thanks for joining and welcome in. So uh, last recording, uh, or last episode, we talked about compliance and the importance of compliance in transplant and LVAB. But uh, per usual, we like to take the scenic route. And so we divided this up into a two-parter. So uh, the first episode, we talked about the social determinants of health, health literacy, and the importances of compliance. And now this is the second part, actually diving into compliance. So we'll start, as per usual, with our vital check. Absolutely. So uh, I think I went first last time. So Kristen, I'm going to make you go first. How the heck are you? You know, uh, I... I have a very tough case right now at work, and um, so I've been, of course, working a little more on self-care, And but at the same time, it I'm very hopeful that, so to be quite honest with everyone here, uh, you know, these are some of the tougher cases because when you have a patient that is not doing well and it's and you're moving towards palliative care sitting with the family and Brene Brown actually does a really good clip about the difference between sympathy and empathy and one of the things that she says in that video is with empathy it's drawing from your own hurt and your own grief Mm. to realize what another person is going through. You're not trying to silver line it. You're not trying to fix it. You're sitting in this situation knowing it sucks and it's Mm -hmm. shit. And I'm just going to sit with you in that. And sometimes it's 
that's tough to do. But also, I'm really hopeful that we can utilize the resources at hand to help make this process through palliative care or the transition to palliative care for this patient and this family uh, something that will maintain dignity, will um, build a legacy, and and also give the patient the voice to express what his or her last wishes are in this situation. Wow. And so empowering the patient as well. So I'm I'm hopeful in in the weeks to come that we can shift our focus towards that but it's tough so I'm sitting with that oh wow I'm sorry it's it's so hard the work that we do sometimes and you know that cautious hope I think we've talked about it before but things things don't always go the way that we hoped that they would yeah or sometimes they do um but in life all good things must come to an end and, and it's mm-hmm. figuring out, just like with any transition, um, you know, our patients that go from the, the adjustment to wellness, then they may have to shift to, they grow old and, and going into an assisted living transition and then those end of life transitions. And it is, I, I think that's the important takeaway. I loved what you said is just kind of sitting, sitting with them in their grief and acknowledging it that it just it sucks and it's okay to say that and I think it's appropriate to say that mm-hmm. to the patients and the families sometimes to acknowledge that it's okay not to be okay Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and that we don't have the answers mm-hmm. and we wish just as bad as you do that we did have the answers yeah isn't that the so, truth? But, uh, Tiffany, how are you? <laughs> well, uh, it's been a rough go for me. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. be 100% honest. It has been a rough go. We A lot of stuff's been going on. Uh, a lot of stuff at work. And it, it has just been... So I dealt with um, the... The next part of what you're talking about uh, recently. Mm. So I lost a patient that was very, very close to the team and very, very close. I, I spent a lot of time with this individual and had a lot of, of real talks with this individual. And uh, we had a lot of things we were working on and a lot of things we were trying to put into perspective and focus. And, and unfortunately, we lost them. And it is, you know, just dealing with that, helping this, the team deal with it, dealing with it on my own as well. It, it goes back to what we talked about in a couple episodes previously uh, of disenfranchised grief, of recognizing mm-hmm. the grief that we have with these. And we do. We get so close with these, these patients. But one of the aspects of our jobs as transplant social workers and LVAD social workers is dealing with with the death of it all Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and that there's a reason why palliative care has to meet with the family as well as our team 
because this is an end of life service. You are at end stage organ failure and your patients are at end stage organ failure. These are the Hail Mary passes. Mm -hmm. And we all know that we're going to have a hundred percent chance of dying. (laughs) Death and taxes. The only thing promised to us. Exactly. And so, um, it's, I had another, uh, another social worker and I were chatting the other day and if, if, uh, if I'm, you know, being quite honest, I really hope that I can bribe her into being a guest on this show because she, my God, the brain on this person, I just want to just dive in at first and, and pick her brain. But anyways, we were talking the other day and she was telling me that, you know, there's a lot of discussion around, um, in the palliative care circles about, um, how to support patients, especially those that are stuck in, you know, what we would probably call hospital purgatory or ICU purgatory. Those that are so sick that they can't leave the hospital, but not sick enough where there are no longer treatment options. There's no longer, you know, advanced medical therapies. So they're just stuck. And how do we support those patients? She mentioned that I should look into what's called dignity therapy. And so I'm excited to dive into that and see what that looks like on another avenue to support our patients. But it it looks like or sounds like that this is a conversation that not just you and I are having, but that the community at large is having as well. Absolutely. Uh, Death with dignity is a big thing as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why in our initial meetings with patients, talking with them, yes, we're, we're hopeful. Yes, this is an intervention option. We hope for you. It's not even guaranteed, though, um, those hurdles, the, the getting over that first hurdle of, are you a candidate, right? Mm-hmm. And then it is in that time where talking about advanced directives is such an important piece, too. And mm-hmm. allowing oh gosh, them to, yes. to think about that, though that's not not where their mind might be at that moment, but it's such an important thing because we never know, any of us, none of us know when it might be uh, coming to a point where we have to have those decisions to be made. And it just makes right. it so much easier when you've actually had these discussions. And at a previous institution I worked with, we would have specific advanced care planning appointments with patients. Mm. And See, I really like that a it, lot. It was so, it was great. It, it was a specialized training you had to go through in order to become one of the advanced care planning practitioners and um, put on through our hospice uh, at in that county. And mm. um, it was just nice because we could really get into each of the different aspects when we think about what is quality of life? So, yeah. Yeah. And a coworker that I am so eternally grateful she showed this to me was the Go Wish game. Have you heard of this? I have so not. So it's through the CODA Alliance. And do not ask me what CODA stands for. Out there in in our listener pool, if you happen to know, please comment, email. I would <laughs> I would love to be educated on it. But anyways, the Coda Alliance their their slogan is empowering easier early end of life conversations, and so she has a deck of the Go Wish game cards, and they're incredible. 
it's literally like playing go fish so you draw cards and you go through the cards depending on the patient or the situation you know we'll we'll say pick 10 cards that really speak to what your end of life wishes might be or pick five but then we look up we and then we'll give them a couple of days um or week you know whatever timing works best for the situation and then we'll come back um and and sit with them and so uh she let me borrow her deck of cards so that i could go give them to the family so if anybody would like to sponsor us by sending extra decks of cards we <laughs> no but if if it, you haven't heard of these cards they really are incredible especially in um uh, with this particular population, it's uh, it's great for end of life discussions because each card has one line on it. You know, pet my dog for one more time, have my family with me. You know, mm. the list goes on and on and on. But yeah, I love that. I I'm gonna have to talk with my palliative social worker colleague and ask her if she knows about these. I'm sure she probably does, but that's. Sounds like a really useful tool. I love learning about new tools that are out there to help us and thinking about creating new tools. Those are those are great. Which talking about tools. Yes. <laughs> actually brings us back to our uh back to the highway uh <laughs> of our discussion today. So we have, as always, a quote for you guys. Today's quote understanding gets compliance. Only belief gets commitment. Stephen Bungay. See, that's such a great quote. And my reasoning behind why I think it's such a great quote is because sometimes and I, I feel like our uh, the medical team just wants the patient to be compliant. Just follow the rules. Why is that so hard? Why can't they just follow the rules? And it, as social workers, sometimes it feels like we're put in this position to be police officers. And we have to go to the patient and be like, listen, you didn't take your medicine. You know what the consequences are and shame on you. You knew better, which really impacts our therapeutic alliance with the patient. And and also as a social worker, our code of ethics to right to self-determination. And how does that align with but with a transplant patient, you have to take your medicine. Your life depends on you taking your immunosuppressant medication. And with an LVAD, you have to yeah. take those blood thinners as prescribed. You have to change your dressing. Yeah. And that's a really good segue to the next thing that we should bring up because there's the social determinants of health and its impact on a patient's ability to adhere to medical management or makes it more difficult, like you said, it gets in the way of their success. But then the, the other side of that coin is when the patient can sometimes be their own barrier to success, um, behaviorally uh, coping. Are there certain habits that get in the way of somebody being able to work cooperatively with a medical team? Is there a, a mental health history there that might make it more difficult to, to follow rules, essentially? And I'm probably saying it in a very difficult way to swallow. <laughs> and that is not, uh, 
that is not intentional, but uh, for lack of a better or, or more sensitive way of putting it. I, th- uh, I think, I think I know what you're saying. I mean, because it is, it's, it is what it is. Right. And yeah, you have to ask that question. And I think that's where the, I think that's where the concern with the word compliance comes into play. And people mm-hmm. like to use the word adherence versus compliance. You have to, yes. Um, it, it, that's one of the things that we talk about with them in the pre, too. Yeah. And, you know, patients will often say, I'm compliant. And then when you dig into it, well, I've had so many patients tell me before, well, I lose points because if I don't understand why, if I don't think that that's the correct thing, mm-hmm. I know my body. Then I want to know more about it. Yes. Yes. And that's not to say that someone doesn't know their body or that you can't use that as a reason, but it's very different when you say, I know my body. So when my INR is five, it's okay. I'm still not going to take my warfarin or whatever. You know, it's. It's very, very different because I'm like you. I don't I don't really like us just saying, are you compliant with your medicines? Check yes or no. Like it's it's not the note you wrote to the boy in middle school. Do you like me? Check yes or no. It's it's unfortunately not that straightforward as middle school love. Or maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it's as convoluted as middle school love. Um, but so instead I say sticking with the school analogy, give yourself a grade as if you were in school, A, B, A minus, B plus, whatever works best for you. What grade would you give yourself on how well you follow doctor's orders? And usually I get a sheepish grin because most people want to give themselves an A plus, but know if they were being honest they really couldn't give me an A plus unless you are someone who methodically follows direction, which there are that there is that personality type out there. And so then I usually ask them very similarly to to your earlier question. I ask them, okay, I usually get a B minus is is the going rate, the average answer. And so I say, okay, well, why why not an A minus or why not an A plus? What's keeping you from doing that? And a lot of it typically revolves around lifestyle. Well, I'll take my medicine. Yeah, I forget. I may wake up late or there's a change in my routine and I'll forget a pill here and there. But, you know, for the most part, I take it just fine. It's really my diet. Like, I know the doctors told me I should eat low salt. But have you ever had food with no salt? It sucks. And I don't really like <laughs> salt. So, yeah, I have. You don't like I salt? Don't. I'm one of those oh. weird people. I do not like salt. I'd be a great heart Good for you. So I love going to dinner with my stepmom because she keeps a salt shaker in her purse. (laughs) And so we, we, we never have to rely on the wait staff to make sure there's salt on the table because she's got it covered. Okay. I have to digress for just, I'm taking a detour on the scenic route. So I have a friend that um, carries a bottle of Cholula in her purse. Because yes. you never know if there's going to be the Cholula as needed. So, you know, it sounds like your stepmom and her might get along pretty well. Oh, she would love our VAD coordinators because they have a Costco size pump of Cholula. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's dwindling down. They're going to have to reload soon. So 
<laughs> yes, Sorry. It's, we it's, found we found the turn back onto the highway. Uh. <laughs> oh my gosh! But with a co- with a topic like this, you have to have fun. I swear to you God, do, or you'll just have an ulcer. We have to. We also have to to humanize it and recognize it. But it does exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, your, your lifestyle is is probably the number one thing I hear. So I'm very similar to you in what I ask, but I do it a little okay. little bit different. So I ask uh, the patient on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most compliant patient. You do everything you're told, one being not compliant. I do what I want. What would you rate yourself? Right? And I get their rating. And then if their loved one is with them, a friend, caregiver, I say, okay. I said, and what would you rate them? And so mm. I get the interesting remarks. Sometimes I, I get the look or they look at each other. <laughs> and then it's not always equal. Mm-hmm. My my average that I get is usually an eight or a nine. I get a lot of nines because people don't want to make themselves perfect. So they're like, yes. I do everything I'm told, but nobody's perfect. So I'm not going to give a 10. Or I give some people that are like, I'm an 100. It's like, okay. So then what I do is like, okay, okay. If they If they lose points, so if they're not a 10, I say, where do you lose the points? So similar to your, okay, what, what makes you not an, an A? Um, and diet and exercise is usually mm-hmm. the number one. I get a couple of, well, if I don't understand or if I don't agree or if they didn't really tell me the why, mm-hmm. I don't always take it. So then I break it down. And so I'll say, okay, how many, do you know your meds? Like, I don't need to know them, but do you know them? Do you know a couple of them? Mm-hmm. Do you know what they're for? Do you know about how many you're on? In the last six months, how many times have you missed meds? Mm, about six. Oh, a lot of times, several times. Oh, okay. How come? Uh, with my with my heart, it's uh, because there a lot of them don't want to take their their water pill, <laughs> their their yes. basics, uh, diuretics mm-hmm. because they don't want to pee all the time. I'm like, right, bro, I feel you, but. That's, you know, when you're thinking about there's a reason why you're put on it, right? But then that also allows me when I ask the the why did you miss it to go and find out is it I couldn't afford it. I couldn't get to the pharmacy in time. The pharmacy didn't have it on time. I have issues with my farm, you know, so it gives me that ability to go a little bit deeper to find out. And then I yeah. ask them, you know, what's your system for managing medications? Oh, I don't have a system. I turned my bottle over or I just know. And yes. so then that helps give me some, I, I'm able to give them some psychoeducation on, well, you're going to mm-hmm. be using a pillbox after. So maybe that's a habit now and see kind of, is there a resistance there? Then I, I keep going. And so, you know, medical appointments in the last six months, how many times do you miss your medical appointments? Never. Or, oh yeah, I missed that. Well, it was just a dentist appointment. Well, why'd you miss your dentist appointment? I mean, sure. I, I don't like the dentist as much as the next person, but... It was still mm-hmm. scheduled for you. It was still an appointment that someone made on your behalf. You said that you would go when it was made, and then you didn't go. Transportation. I slept through it. it so I won't go through my whole assessment, but mm-hmm. to, to give you kind of that idea of it unpacks. So this person that thought they were a nine, hmm, we have some room for growth in these categories. And it kind of helps them by, I mean, I'm not calling them out on anything i'm simply just asking and then it allows me to have that conversation at the end of kind of going through that and say you know so see there's some areas here i said look we're not 
trying to see how many hoops we can have you jump through. We're not seeing how far we can push you. Mm-hmm. We've done this multiple times. We want to provide you with the best opportunities at success. If you're going to go through this, we want you to have success. And that's where that I like the belief gets commitment. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's what this is. You are making a commitment. When you sign that consent form to go through that surgery, whichever organ, whichever surgery it might be, you're signing a commitment in a sense that you're going to care for it. And is that truly understood Mm -hmm. by the patient sometimes? And that's where I, I like when you said we have to sometimes be the police because how many patients think that about us? Yeah. When they first meet us, because we're asking them a parade of questions. Super nosy questions uh. at that. Like, why do you need to know, you know, my legal history and how many wives I've had in the past? Like, right. you know, nosy questions. But yeah, it, it's that's exactly right. And so then we come in and I can't tell you how many times the doctors have emailed me and said, you must see this patient at their next clinic appointment because they're being non-compliant. And mm-hmm. so the only time you're really asking me to see these patients is when they step a toe out of line. Ah, uh, yeah. And that that makes it tough. Yeah. So being cognizant to see the patients outside of that. (laughs) So we have some sort of rapport. Uh, And also, you know, I, it, I, let's help me understand, you know, what's going on circumstantially that, you know, things may be different. Can you come up with an intervention plan? Can you come up with a treatment plan? And I know that the, the next question or the next statement or what you're thinking in your mind as you're, you're listening to this wherever is, I don't have time. Our our facility isn't staffed to that. I don't have the capacity to sit with the patients and to develop the, the treatment plans. That's not in the scope. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a good counter argument. However, <laughs> in the grand scheme of it, then is that conversation to be had at a higher level with looking at, you know, hey, this is what we could do if we could actually spend more time, if we had more staff, if we, you know, looked at what our time management or our workload might be. And can mm-hmm. we can we have someone else look at it? Can, can we tell our physicians this is why we need to be able to spend this time? Back to my question, what are your barriers for success? Yes, exactly. And it gets them thinking about, well, what are they? And allowing them to explore that. Because, again, if they think they're being compliant and we come in and say, you're not, mm-hmm. uh, okay, who's who's right, who's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. There is always three sides to every story. <laughs> Your side, their side, and the right side. That, that's actually, that's so true. I had, a, I had to take philosophy in college. I'm sure everyone did. But um, my college <laughs> professor was a huge Star Trek fan. And so he had us watch Star Trek episodes for every, like, philosophical concept that he wanted to teach us. And there's actually a Star Trek episode related to that. Just in case you wanted to know. It's one of the earlier ones. Huh. <laughs> uh, all right. May the force be with you. No, no. You're going to have to try again on that one. <laughs> I, I, I know the stock sign. Yes. I know that's Star Trek. But... <laughs> 
some I like the fact that he did that though because you still remember it, right? Yeah. I sure do. You equated it and sometimes that's where it comes into as well as breaking it down to what makes sense for them. There you go. What makes sense for the patient? And that goes into when we ask the questions, what are your hobbies or what is your motivation for going through this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the, the motivation question. It is different than do you understand the benefits from, from transplant or do you understand the benefits of LVAD? It's, okay, you understand that there's a benefit, but why? Mm-hmm. Why do this? And their why is what I like to hit on when the compliance factor comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What are the goals that you want to accomplish? If your life Mm -hmm. is extended, what is it that you want to do? And what is your why? Because it's going to get a hell of a lot harder before it gets easier. Yep. My, my little nugget. I love nuggets. (laughs) I love nuggets. I love nuggets. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that I, I will say to a patient is, We need to know what your motivation is because we need to know that there is going to be something that drives you. On those days when things get hard, when you don't know why you went through this, and I know right now you're saying, I couldn't possibly think that way, but it's going to happen. And there's going to be times when you're in the throes of the recovery and you're saying, why did I do this? We carry that for you and we give you that motivation back when you're ready for it. Mm -hmm. So then it's time for you to take back your why. And it just, it is, it's part, it's showing that we're partnering with them and it's showing them that it is going to be hard, but as long as we know, and I'll always do the same, I always do the same thing. Ask anybody that has uh, shadowed me, I'll say, you know, they'll, they'll, because I want to travel or for my family and I'll say, okay, so that when you're not doing your therapy, you say, I don't want to do it today. I can say, Hey, see that picture, get up and do your therapy. Hey, see that that trip to Venice? See that photo you have there as a reminder? You got to eat some calories mm-hmm. because that way we can help you with it. But it, it does. I mean, you can't change someone's patterns f- over a lifetime in a day. Exactly. It took you 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years to develop these habits, to develop these beliefs, these these ways of doing things. It's not going to change in 48 hours while you're in the ICU or, you know, over the course of several days of testing or the months that you've seen the doctor. Regardless, it took you that long to develop who you are. So we just have to make sure that we have a a plan to intertwine that so that these therapies are appropriate. Exactly. And what are the opportunities for education? Yes. So if you are struggling with compliance, we'll say, uh, or sh- compliance is not your strong suit, uh, how can we how can we help make that better? Uh-huh. What is it that you need? And so is it more education on the why? Is it goals? Is it specific task planning? Exactly. How do we get you there? And uh, not to circle right back around to episode number one, but again, that's why health literacy is important. Just looking at education styles. Are you a visual learner, an auditory learner, hands-on, et cetera, et cetera? Tiffany, you actually posted an incredible article and it will be in the show notes, but I really just want to sit with this article for a second because there were certain points in here that 
I really think the audience needs to hear. This was an article. The title is What's in a Name? Compliance, Adherence, and Concordance in Chronic Psychiatric Disorders. And so I have never heard of concordance used as a term. I've always heard compliance or adherence. But I'll start with compliance. Uh, Compliance is defined as the extent to which the patient's behavior matches the prescriber's recommendations, which I feel like is the first part of the quote you said earlier. And it's just, Mm -hmm. if we say jump, you say what? How high? Exactly. And there's no questions. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're just jumping all day long because we told you to. So, but then adherence is a little bit different. And can you share that one with us? Yeah, adherence is the extent to which a person's behavior, taking medications, following a diet, exercising, lifestyle changes, corresponds with agreed recommendations from a healthcare provider. And so you're partnering with them. You're adhering because you're, you're agreeing to those recommendations. And so instead of how high... You're saying, okay, where do we jump? Yes, and why am I jumping? Mm -hmm. And it establishes the fact that there is a relationship at hand. It's the patient-clinician relationship. And then the third term, concordance, uh, I have to sit with this one for a minute. I'm going to be honest because it's so new to me. Um, But I Mm -hmm. love the fact that we're learning alongside of our listeners. That's the whole point of this. Um, But the concept of concordance has evolved from a narrower view, (laughs) emphasizing an agreement between the clinician and the patient, which takes into account each other's perspectives on medication taking to a broader process consisting of open discussions with the patient regarding medication taking, basically acknowledging that not is not only a relationship, but that it is a process. And it, and it allows the the clinician, us as clinicians and providers, to entertain the patient's views. Like, what what is the patient's thought process on that? And that's where I had not heard that term before either. And I, I like it. Yeah. And so to me, it's the first one is more dictatorship-ish. And the other one, the, the second layer is we've established a relationship, but you're still going to basically do as I tell you. And the third one is much more of a two-way street, um, which is beautifully put. I think the reason I have to sit with it is how do you... Okay, listen, if I'm just being like totally not PC right now. I love it. um if i'm just being totally not pc right now how do we get our physicians or the medical team to have buy-in into this concept of it being more of a two-way street especially when there are certain components of transplant and fad that there is there's it's Mm non-negotiable that's that's a hard one. That's a, a great question to sit in, honestly. Because, of course, my mind, all sorts of things are coming in that I just want to spew out. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that could no, get, get us uh, down a, a, a detour of like a road that's closed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's OK. That's why there's trails around the, the fences, right? You just learn to navigate around them. 
Yeah, I just, I think that there are a lot of opportunities for these discussions. And I think that there are certain aspects that, yes, have got to be compliance. There are certain that we move towards adherence. And then there are certain, the goal, I would say, is to get to concordance. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you start with concordance to then get the buy-in for compliance? Right. Because you... You don't necessarily, you're not going to pour everything into something unless you understand what the end result is supposed to be. And um, I don't know if you've heard the phrase, there's no atheists in foxholes. I have. My grandfather used to say that. <laughs> so I, there's a physician that uh, that I work with and they they say there's no atheists in foxholes because how do you... You can't just say, well, if you're not compliant, then you won't get a transplant and then you're not going to survive. So just do it. Mm -hmm. What, what, I mean, that's strong arming someone into Mm buy-in, but there's no process. There's no relationship. Because how long is that going to last? Right. And it's that carrot, right? And that's, that's the thing is... The carrot of transplant or of LVAD is dangled, but then once they get that carrot, do they continue? Mm-hmm. So whenever I have a patient that says, well, because sometimes uh, let's say I have a patient that struggles with compliance and struggles with, um, or, um, or just for the sake of conversation, we'll use the term compliance, but struggles with that relationship or following a medication regimen, what have you. I say, well, what's going to change when you're listed for transplant? Mm -hmm. How's that going to change? Well, then my life depends on it, but your life depends on it now. So how's it going to change? Well, because, uh, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to take the medicines in order to keep my transplant alive. But again, you, you need that now. It's just your native organ not your transplanted organ. So let's come up with a plan that works for you that because is what you're doing right now working? And, you know, depending on the answer to that question. (laughs) It got me this far, didn't it? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) That's that's what I hear sometimes, but it, it is. I think that's the hardest part of it is helping helping the patient understand further how what they're doing now is not helping the situation as a whole because just because you're listed doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow and so you got to be able to stay well enough and stable enough and listen to put it to put it bluntly mm-hmm. at the end of the day Unfortunately, there are not enough organs to go around. I wish there were. I hope someday there might be. There's not right now. And so we have to be stewards of these gifts. Mm -hmm. And part of that is you're, you're being able to care for it. And just because you want to care for it doesn't mean that you have the skill set to do that yet. 
There's a difference mm-hmm. between the the desire and the ability. That's exactly right. And I even use that with my caregivers too. I'm not here to argue your willingness. My job is to assess your ability, given a history, a pattern of behavior, a all the assessment tools that we have at hand. And if the ability is at risk for one reason or another, it's not to ultimately rule you out instantaneously, but to look at it from a solution-focused perspective. Are there ways that we can open doors? Are there ways we can make this easier for you? Are there ways that this can become a workable situation? Mm-hmm. It, and so I think that that's also a misnomer for social work is the whole, we're just here to take your kids away <laughs> kind of thing. And I love the fact that you, you dropped a little bit of a social work uh, slang there. Uh, <laughs> You're solution focused, you know, because yeah. too often I think we also forget in this field that we are utilizing our clinical, our clinical therapeutic styles are our interventions they're they're not just us coming up with well let's try this let's try this they're based on theory and evidence-based and interventions it's just in the moment we're not telling the patient well we're going to come in and use solution-based we're going to do some motivational interviewing. It just is kind With of person happened. and environment in <laughs> mind and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like, no, no. The patient's exactly. going to be like, what does that mean? I'm not, this, <laughs> I'm not Freud. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not Freud. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't want to tell you about my dreams. But you are doing it. And if you're if you're not, if you can't take a step back and realize that you are, are utilizing some of your interventions that are your social work interventions, and maybe, you know, you need to take that into account as well and perhaps brush up on some of that because they mm-hmm. are so, I mean, there are interventions for a reason and there is no one size fits all therapy. There's no one size fits all therapeutic relationships. And as transplant and LVAD social workers, really shooting from the hip. I mean, we have a niche that is transplant and LVAD. But aside from that, our patient population is everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sickness knows no gender, knows no culture, knows no religion. Everybody gets sick, just like death and taxes. You can count on it. It's just how you get sick may be unique to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, huh. um... I know that we have taken the scenic route and we could probably talk about this all day, which is probably why we are so well equipped for a podcast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But we also did have additional content ready to stick in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been going at this for for a while now, about uh, 35 minutes to be exact. I mean, guess what? We get to do what we want. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no kidding. But we appreciate y'all. We appreciate y'all listening to us and, you know, sticking with us. Those that are uh, new 
we hope that you're enjoying it. Those that have, have been with us since the beginning, we really hope you're enjoying it. And we would love to hear uh, from you guys about this topic. I mean, this is this is a discussion. This is not a we have all the answers. This is not Kristen and Tiffany are the experts that are giving you the answers to these questions. These are, we need to be discussing them. We need to be as a transplant LVAD community of social workers, we need to have these discussions of what are our best practices for handling these and maneuvering these conversations. Exactly. So with that being said, Tiffany, you're absolutely correct. This is a two-way conversation. We would love to hear from y'all because we want to know what innovative ideas that you all have so we can grow together as a community and be better for our patients. Better together. Better together. Yes, absolutely. Together we are stronger. (laughs) Hey, look at that. I know. It's like like I've heard that somewhere. For a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, this has been awesome. And one thing that we should mention, Kristen, is that next next month is kind of a big event in the world of transplant social work. Yes, it is. And uh, because uh, the big event is I get to meet you. Exactly. <laughs> in person. In person. Because, again, uh, for those that might just be tuning in, this is uh, we've actually never met in person that we know of. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point that we know of. We've never been in, in uh, met in person with intention. <laughs> Intentionally. Intent- we've not- intentional interactions, uh, intentional interactions, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, Tiffany's absolutely right. So we have the STSW conference in Orlando that is going to be next month, which is October. Um, the uh, STSW san- stands for the Society of Transplant Social Workers. And I will also add MCS social workers. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So I'm hopefully, really excited. Hopefully some of you guys that might be listening will be there uh, so that we can meet y'all too. And uh, maybe even doing a little bit recording from there. So that'll be exciting as well. I totally agree. I'm super stoked. In fact, uh, several people that I know personally that listen to our show have have wondered if we were going to do like something really festive for a live recording or something. So uh, I sure hope that Southwest Airlines doesn't flag all the equipment I'm about to put on this plane, <laughs> but <laughs> we're going to make it work, right? <laughs> we are. We are. Hey, where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, definitely, right. I think... Solution-focused. Solution-focused. And I think that that you and I, Kristen, are, are two people that definitely find ways to, to do things. <laughs> yes. So uh, I think we're we're gonna we're gonna definitely make that happen, guys. And uh, check out our our Instagram at that time too, because maybe you'll get a, a rare photo of the two of us uh, in person in one photo. Yep, yep, exactly. It's gonna be so awesome. Um, and <laughs> Tiffany, are you presenting? I am presenting. Oh. I I am. I'm putting the. F- starting touches on my presentation um soon but yes so you haven't started um that's correct 
(laughs) (laughs) That is okay. I mean, I have started in the aspect that I have a topic and I have an abstract and I have a lot of outline, but I haven't put it and condensed it. But yes, I will be presenting actually on the first day. Um, I will be one of the first presenters. That is huge. And congratulations. Mm, Thank you. But what, what about you, Kristen? Are you presenting... I am, and uh, I am. How many times? <laughs> so, uh, two times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing two VAD presentations, and um, I'm on the second and third day, I believe. Ooh, look at you! Yeah, I could be for... wrong, but uh, maybe I should look at the calendar. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> But I'm I'm kind of like right where Tiffany is. I I have an abstract, I have an outline, uh, and I have a a will to persevere. <laughs> yes, I um, that makes me so happy to hear because I figured you already had your presentation laminated and completed. And <laughs> oh God, no, 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 no! I most definitely do not. It will be a October first situation (laughs) by the way i really hope the stsw board is like not listening to us right now um and if you are disclaimer we're totally kidding in the fact that we're totally going to get it done and it's going to be it's going to be done oh it's going to be stellar it's going to be standing ovation material you just have no idea people are just going to line up at the door um, I mean, they're good. <laughs> Who needs Universal Studios when you could listen to us talk? Come on. <laughs> I mean, that's an attraction in itself. I'll be available for autographs afterwards. Um, if you haven't left the room by the time I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I uh, know. But I'm uh, like, to be quite honest, that is what I hate. The only thing I hate about conferences, I had the first conference I went to, I was new, I was excited, I thought they were awesome. And then I saw like a bunch of people just like up and leave talks. Yeah. And the person I was with at the conference was like, oh, yeah, you can do that. If you know, the the topic doesn't speak to you, you can just go bounce to the other topic. I was like, that's awful. That's so mean. <laughs> like, I hate that. So now I, I will sit. No matter what the topic is, it could be completely irrelevant, but man, I committed the minute my butt hit that chair. Commitment, right? You you are a compliant attendee because you have the commitment to it. And I respect that. (laughs) I respect that. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for circling this back around for us. (laughs) Hey. I feel like. It's what I'm here for. Yes, I feel like you're you're what we needed today. You kept us really on track. <laughs> that's uh that's rare for me. So I will take that cuz normally I'm the one getting us completely off track, I feel. But well, good. Uh, that means it's a give take relationship. Yes. Yes, that's <laughs> what we're all about. All right. Well, hey, do we have any beatbox moments? I survived this week uh and that's where i'm gonna beatbox and i don't mean to be silly about that but it was a tough week and so the fact that i've made it here and uh still going and tonight's sunday so that means tomorrow is monday and i'm still gonna show up for work tomorrow that's my that's my beatbox moment absolutely good for you how about you my beatbox moment 
<laughs> okay, so I, I've, I've decided that I'm very much embracing the boho hippie life, lifestyle um, and the full boho hippie aesthetic. This is not work related, by the way, whatsoever. And so I... I don't know why TikTok decided I needed this in my life, but it me it decided for me. The for you page algorithm said, "Kristen, you need vintage thrift store baskets hung on your wall." And I said, "You know what, TikTok? You are absolutely right. That is exactly what this big wall in my living room has been missing all these years." And so for the last couple of weeks, I have been just kind of hopping from thrift store to thrift store to find, you know what I'm talking about? Those like 1992 wicker baskets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So someone on TikTok decided that if you soak them in bleach, it gets all that stain off and they actually look really cool. And so for the last couple of weeks, my bathtub has been full of bleach <laughs> <laughs> with a bunch with a bunch of baskets in there and I kept getting really mad because I couldn't find the right baskets anyways fast forward I went to a thrift store on Saturday and they had a whole aisle and it was basket mecca and it was just the whole wall I mean it was it was lovely it was absolutely so wonderful so I'm sorry audience that you don't get to see this but oh okay oh wow <laughs> I'm showing <laughs> Tiffany all my baskets that are on the floor right now. Those are awesome. So it's actually a double beatbox because not only did you find your baskets, your bathtub is clean as hell with the bleach. <laughs> yes, it, it is. And thankfully the stain didn't stain my tub. So that, that was a win too. So yes, stay tuned. Uh, maybe my basket wall will make an appearance on our social media. Who knows? Um, um Absolutely. <laughs> But I, I am very proud because I was feeling very defeated there for a second. But I have my baskets. I I am so just glad that that worked out for you because there's nothing better than being able to have a vision and finally be able to put it into some form of uh, fruition. Like when it starts to actually come together. That is, yes. that's goals. And sticking through it when... I mean, I know it's just baskets, but sticking through when you're like, damn it, I know I'm never going to find the right basket for my wall. Yes. Yes. But I'm going to keep looking and keep doing it. I feel like that's, that's something that we probably share as well is that we can't take, we can't take that no for an answer. There's gotta be a way. There's gotta be a solution for better or worse. <laughs> I don't know if that is an asset or a uh, weakness, strength or weakness category, but I had a boss tell me one time that she has to warn people that I'm like a dog on a bone. <laughs> and I was like, I can't get mad because that's true. Um, but damn, that hits hard. <laughs> <laughs> that actually reminds me of something my doctor said to me this week. Um, so I had a case that I had to start and finish in the same day. So, uh, it was for an LVAD eval urgently in the hospital and they wanted to present it that day. And my doctor told mm. me, Tiffany, pre pretend you're a normal social worker. <laughs> <laughs> what does that he mean? Said, Give yourself a time limit. And if you, if you've hit that time limit and you have not come up with a plan, you're done. Like just put in the amount of time that a normal social worker would put in. 
Oh, death. I was You're like, like oh. uh... <laughs> but what is that time limit? Who decided that? I don't know. Oh, oh no. man. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, we have actually set a time limit for this episode. <laughs> and, and we, we have, have surpassed, surpassed it. it. Oh, God. Oh, man. So th- thank you all for logging on. Thank you for joining us. And please, please shoot us an email. Uh, we would love to hear from you for next next episode to be dropped. I almost said next week's episode, but I was like, no, 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 no. You slow down. <laughs> Whoa uh, there. Boundaries. Remember, we're working on that. We're working on that. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Next month, we hope that you join us. And that we would love to hear from you. And this is our plea and our beg. We have heard from one member, uh, which was pretty exciting. Someone did get a certification of listening to count towards their credentialing. And uh, yes. pretty epic response on that on there. So we'd love to hear more of that. Thank you to that person. You know who you are. Uh, but to everybody else, we would love to we would love to hear from Absolutely. Okay. Thanks so much for joining and we'll see you next time. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening. We're Kristen and Tiffany. Working in Transplant takes a team. We hear you. We see you. We're in this together and together we are stronger. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information found in today's episode. Take a look at our website for additional resources and links that may have been mentioned. You can also find us on Instagram and or our website located in the show notes. Bye. Bye. Beats by Transplant Social Work hosts Kristen and Tiffany and affiliated guests and programs expressly disclaim responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of your reliance on the information contained in this podcast or in any media, and none of the persons and entities noted above endorse specifically any test, treatment, or procedure mentioned on the show. Always consult your own treatment team or your own institution or employer for guidance on your individual care and or practice and policies.